Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the next episode of, of the FIC Focus stream podcast. Uh, you are listening to Credit Crunch episode 8 i am mahesh bemalingam chief european credit strategist at bloomberg intelligence the research arm of bloomberg and the largest research franchise on the street along with me i have uh, george flynn head of credit at wise alpha now uh, we've been doing this uh, survey for this is like the 11th time and uh, i'm glad to have him here and we will be doing this podcast in a q and a format like last time and I hope you all enjoyed like you did last time. Over to George. Hi, everyone. Uh, great to be back. Um, so uh, this was interesting because we had a huge swing um, back to uh, the negative in terms of sentiment, um, the highest on on, on record. Um, my question to you is, is basically, one, do we think people are jumping the gun? Um, I'm not sure we get that kind of spread movement. Uh, widening so soon um it will also link to break evens later but i don't i want you to kind of you know th tell me what you think about um the total return um components of high yield uh, over the next quarter yeah so i think the headline uh comment for this survey would be like this huge swing negative from a very positive swing last quarter so to put it in in context so the net negative return view how has gone to minus 11 means you know 11, minus 11 negative last time it was 44 positive net view and uh, that's quite a big quite a big swing so do we agree with uh, what the clients are saying you know my view is it is not going to be uh you know that hairy this quarter because wall you need to realize is very low rates wall has dropped equity wall has dropped fx wall has dropped credit wall has also dropped in when wall is low credit tends to perform very well because it's a uh, high carry product now talking about carry if you look at if you look at uh, euro high yield we are talking about 7.8 percent yield and about 4.8 percent spread quite extraordinary numbers when you compare to you know what the bund pays you at you know 2.3 2.4 and being like four times more volatile than uh than than credit yeah. so <clears throat> given that background I'm of the opinion that I think uh, there's a bit of momentum voting in this survey. Uh, so people have gone a bit uh, too negative, but we shall see. I am not as negative, yeah. uh, given our published views. And so if we skip on to um, portfolio positioning, so again, a big swing in the responses. I'll let you talk about the detail or the composition of that swing. Um, but I guess people are, they seem to be, either positioning or saying they're positioning for an unexpected event, you know, maybe a central banker says something stupid or um, they're kind of positioning for, you know, the slowing economic cycle. So if you could kind of give the answer, but also kind of touch on those two points, that'd be super. Right. So in terms of positioning, obviously that ties, it has to tie in with what they said on negative on return view. So positioning has gone to net underweight 30 from a 15 overweight last quarter. Uh, so the yeah. positioning has followed uh, what the return view is. Now, will you be underweight when 
if when you have near record total return break evens, uh, if you look at uh, high yield, it is 255 total return break even and about 155 excess return break even given 40, 4.8% uh, spread. In, in those circumstances, you know, being underweight such a high carry product, especially when defaults are really low, we will talk about defaults later, uh, is going to be, you know, it's a very expensive shot, I would like to think. You mentioned central banks. Now, I think we should address that right away. Uh, central bank mistake. Now, the Fed is expected to cut three times now. The recession probability in the U.S. has gone up now from the last time. When we spoke last time, the probabilities were coming down, if you remember. Yeah. And now it has gone up again. It is now 65% in the U.S. Interestingly, in Europe, it is it is dropped. It is 45. So, central bank mistake, particularly by the Fed, in case they do hike and with the market expecting cuts, that there is that is definitely a problem. You know, market will be disappointed. You will get some significant volatility. The ECB, though, is expected to hike at least twice, probably thrice this year. Uh, and the QT will continue. So, chance of an ECB mistake uh, is less uh, is less likely. But uh, a Fed mistake is probably going to be costly for the markets. And just quickly, um, very quickly, on uh, sort of QT and the impact that that would have. Um, I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts around that? Okay, so on the on QT, you know, we've addressed it in prior broadcasts uh, ourselves as well as with some guests. We've clearly pointed out that the ECB has announced the QT program until June, where they said that approximately half of all redemptions will not be replaced in the standard uh, QE program, the APP, right? Now, what have they done in March? Because we've got the March data, right? They have not replaced entire ABSPP, entire covered bond, about 80% of corporates, while on the government bonds, they have replaced, you know, more or less close to the brim. So, essentially, the ECB has gone underweight everything other than GAVIs because they're trying to protect GAVI spreads yeah. uh, in this environment. So, impact of ECB QT, it has been on the margin negative because it's been a bit more aggressive than what is priced. Now, the next announcement will be in June about the future program. And I suspect, given the way they're going, they're going to say, we are not going to be replacing any more re redemptions from now. Yep. Uh, that on the margin will be negative because it's not totally priced in. There is a probability right now, like 50-60% that that will be said. Yes, yep. So once it is realized, you're going to say, you know, that yep. negative effect will hit us. Yep, that's great. Um, so next question. So on the valuations for the next quarter so uh, basically respondents uh, came back saying net net rich just about but you know you know similar amount saying that it was fairly valued um it, when you wrote uh, the summary of the piece you kind of said that, that that's in line with sort of z scores uh, that you're seeing so can you talk about the you know the valuation that you see in high yield and then also the valuation that you see um outside of the asset class compared to say equities and what's going on there and, and like whether it makes sense to you yeah. So let's talk about what the survey says. Uh, in the survey, we track, you know, uh, cheap, rich, fair, and then we take the difference to get a net rich or a net cheap. So what has happened is it has moved from 10 net rich to 30 net rich now. 
So clearly, the given how they have filled in terms of return view or positioning, the view the spread view also ties in with that that they believe that spreads are a bit too rich. Uh, what do we think? We think that uh, yeah, in Europe particularly that is true. So I think we've had spreads have been very sanguine. They've benefited from the low wall, particularly outside credit uh, in rates. So high yield high yield right now definitely looks rich it's about 0.6 standard deviations rich and uh, investment grade also looks rich by the way about 0.8 standard deviations rich so euro credit overall does look mildly rich for sure uh, how does it compare with the us i mean we we are coming to the us question later the us looks fair value though because they tend they seem to have you know after the outperforming europe before they seem to have a bit more of a wobble, because, particularly high yield, because they've been they are seeing more defaults yep. uh, compared to us. The oil-based rally benefiting high yield that that season is done. Uh, we are probably benefiting from low oil, while they've had that wild ride yep. when oil went up because seventeen percent of US high yield is is oil related. So, uh, Mark, survey says net rich. I do agree that spreads are rich. Uh, but you know, at uh, at half a standard deviation, 0.6 standard deviation, rich doesn't mean you get a humongous correction, particularly when wall is low. Now, just to describe wall, how much is a standard deviation now? Standard deviation is about 72 basis points in euro high yield. The same number in US high yield is 50. Clearly shows euro high yield has been very volatile yep. than US high yield. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, cash um, again. No real surprises, but back up against uh, back up to the high. So we're around sort of seven point one percent in the survey, which is the highest it's it's been. Um, can you put it in terms of the context of the size of the market? Um, so you know what what kind of quantum does that kind of re represent? Because it's obviously a supportive technical. And then the other question I have for you, given sort of all the headlines we're seeing around money market, are we seeing kind of any kind of outperformance of shorter dated credit in 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 general? Obviously, you know apples and oranges but you know is is you know the high yield market focusing on the short end right so this is i think probably one of the most important uh, survey questions clearly gives you an idea of how much you know powder we have ready for investment in our asset class so the answer to this question once weighted across all responses was 6.1% in q1 that has gone up to 7.1% 7.1% is an all-time record. The same story as in uh, Q4, Q3 last year, right? Yeah. When everything was negative. <clears throat> so 7.1%, if you look at, uh, you know, what does it mean in terms of how much powder is available in the whole market? If you map it to the index, we are talking about 30 billion, yeah. just less than 30 billion. Uh, 30 billion is quite substantial, by the way, because... We'll come to the supply story. We've been having negative net supply. Yep. In an environment where there is negative net supply and you have powder waiting and people are already bearish, I think it's a good time for someone <laughs> to enter. For someone to enter and catch the catch the nice tailwind, you know? Yep. So I'm of the opinion that the 7.1% will play well in keeping uh in keeping high, euro high yield protected. Uh, from any headwinds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you asked about uh, you asked about shorter duration versus longer duration yeah. assets. Uh, clearly, given the action in the front end in rates, 
front end has suffered uh, and front end does look cheap even now yeah i mean it, it was looking cheap in in the q1 yeah, survey we, yeah, in the q1 break. survey it still looks cheap not as cheap as before but it still looks cheap the yep. curve needs to normalize the curve is still very very inverted yep. uh, particularly in europe uh, in the us probably not as much in europe it is still very inverted so uh, because the ecb those three rate hikes that are priced in need to come in so front end uh, still looks wide yep. to long end yep now Defaults, exciting. We had our first one in yep. the in yep. the quarter, um, in, and now uh, the survey is predicting uh, around two point four in terms of uh, defaults. So, you know, defaults are beginning to pick up again. My personal view is that it's a bit further out, um, but I'd like to get your take on that. And then also more generally, I'd like to, to hear you about the hear you talk about the ratings drift. Um, that, that you're seeing. I know you published a piece on um, fallen, fallen angels and rising stars. So it'd be good to kind of hear, you know, what your expectations are for for, for the index. Right. So defaults. Obviously, the default expectations have gone up. So last quarter survey said about 1.9 uh, is the survey mean, and now it is 2.4 as you mentioned. Now we need to put it in context. How does it compare with reality? So last 1.9 effectively matches with the one default we had, yep. uh, Foodco Bondco. Uh, after 23 months, we've had the first index default. Now, what does it mean for the future? You can easily count how many are the credits that could fall. Uh, you know, we had a we had a podcast called the first default, yep. and in that we clearly pointed out that there are only five credits which are rated triple C minus or below. Mm. The rest of it, rest of them are probably not seen as, uh, you know, default candidates by the rating agencies. That's part one. What about by the market? The distress share, uh, forget the stress share. The stress share has been falling uh, given the rally yeah, after, exactly. the, after the banking crisis. So if you look at the distress share, distress share is hovering around, you know, depending on the day, is hovering around, you know, 3, 3.2. And, and has that has that actually improved with the rally, or is actually that 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 remain you know uh, the, flat as you'd expect? The the distress share actually has been uh, what do you say? The elasticity of yep. that number to the rally has been less than the stress share. Good. The stress share yep. has really come down. The distress share has has edged down from about three point eight, three point nine to three point two, while the stress share has come down from you know seventeen, eighteen to twelve. Cool. So big change there in the uh, what do I say? No, many credits started trading normally. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but the distressed ones have have been slow to recover from distress pricing. Now, let's put those numbers in context. Even if you assume half of them default, that's distressed ones, three half one point five. Yeah. Right. So now once again to put it in context, the peak index default rate. Ever since we started tracking, by the way, we had to manually track because nobody does index defaults. We have our own series. So the peak was in the pandemic, obviously, post-pandemic. That's about 1.8%. I clearly don't see anywhere close to that mm -hmm. because it's not like the world is not shutting down, you see. Yes, costs of borrowing have gone up. Yep. Uh, you know, your, you know, your uh, costs of running the business have gone up, but also the cost of product you sell has also gone up. So, in net net, I am thinking that 
most likely it will be under 1% for this year 2023 the peak will be in 2024 yeah this is exactly what we said in the first default podcast and i haven't changed my view yeah and that default series just is that available on bluebook yes it is available on bistrte i'm going to repeat the statement again cool. any <laughs> any treasure trove of data you want to access bistrte yeah okay um and uh so basically now we're on to issuance supply and the thing with supply uh, is uh is real supply which is net supply so i'll let you just talk about that and again we can link it back to the cash balances as well. right so the, let's talk about the supply question the supply question asks how much index eligible issuance do you foresee for the next quarter and as we pointed out many times in bull markets, the survey always underestimates the actual survey. In bear markets, it overestimates. I have to say it is getting very sharp now because the market yeah. is a bit uncertain. So last quarter, survey predicted 12. We've had 15 yeah. gross index eligible supply. Now, the interesting bit is how much was net. Net is still negative, like about minus two, minus three. So the index hasn't grown. It is still marginally shrinking. Now, once again, we map it to uh, what the cash uh, balance is. The cash balance is about 30 billion, while you are seeing the negative three, negative five uh, in terms of issuance. It puts us in a very good spot. Uh, compare with last quarter, last quarter, uh, uh, sorry, this quarter they are, pred they are predicting 11. So I would like to think that we probably will be in that territory gross wise. Net-wise, I would be surprised if we see anything more than like plus three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll print that many. The same thing is happening in the loan market as well. Uh, even in the loan market, you're seeing uh, dwindling supply. So CLOs, for example, we've started CLO research. CLOs are buying bonds. Interesting development. 12% yeah, yeah. of the CLO portfolio is bonds now. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, uh, that's certainly interesting. Now... I've got uh, the next question on high yield versus investment grade. This is one of my favorite uh, yep. questions. Yep. I mean, you touched on the RV earlier. Yeah. Um, so investment grade uh, has its highest allocation by far to date. Um, can you talk about the relative value there? You touched on Z scores earlier. Yeah. Um, and then also um, you touched on front end uh, versus long end uh, for spread investors. Yeah. Um, so if you could kind of, you know, talk a little bit more. Yeah, this that. this this is the big question in our in our world, right? So just to give uh, our listeners some color, uh, so the the question has moved. The answer to the question has moved from flat last quarter to plus twenty five. One of the strongest, in fact, the strongest ever we have seen in terms of preference for investment grade. Yeah. Now I I am I can totally see why because if you look at uh, real well by ratings, you know we publish a deck uh, now now every month actually, and it is very clear in uh, in the ratings real well that every higher asset class higher higher uh, rated asset rating is trading too wide to lower rating uh, lower rated uh, buckets because wow. lower ratings have compressed too much in the last four or five month rally. So there's right? been too much beta in there. So, yeah. So you are increasingly, especially with uncertainty on the Fed, uncertainty on the probability of a recession, I can totally understand why people are saying, okay, we want to go up the quality. Another reason, investment grade now pays like, you know, 4.3, 4.5. 4 
170 basis point spread, 93 basis point break even. The break even ratio to high yield is close to all time top. Uh, and think about, you know, if you are a overall fixed income portfolio manager, to get a high yield tick from your board, especially when there is probability of recession, <laughs> however much it play, however much it pays, is is not going to be easy. Instead, you can say, look, investment grade, 170 over, and uh, you know, much less volatile than uh, rates. Yeah, yeah. Than rates. So, I can totally understand, and I'm probably ballpark uh, willing to believe that uh, risk adjusted investment grade is good. But I still think high yield will beat IG because wall is low, yeah. defaults are still low. Because of carry, high yield will edge IG. Same happened in Q1, huh, by the way. So Q1, you know, high yield beat IG. And do you, do you think that, um, you know, you're talking about the outperformance of the lower rated buckets. I mean, when does that start to unwind? When 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 are we going to kind of see that, that transition? Because clearly people are talking about the transition in the survey. Yeah. But I'm not sure we're seeing it in the in the numbers. It all depends on, uh, as we discussed, one, uh, central bank tightening, how are inflation numbers printing, and uh, are we entering into a recession? Like, like entering probably. Yeah, yeah. And we, no, no more probabilities. If we if if you are getting into a uh, recessionary scenario, even for one quarter, uh, particularly in the US and also in the eurozone. Uh, the low rated buckets are going to uh, take a beating, particularly the high yield uh, zone. Yep. Uh, if, if you can see, there's been a big swing. I mean, we, are, we have a rating question coming up later. Yeah. There's a big swing in all the rating, all <laughs> the low rated bands, right? Uh, so, as of now, it's very clear that the, our investors are voting for thinking or voting, thinking about a recessionary scenario. Now, the counter to that is in case that doesn't happen, which is what the central banks are thinking, right? <laughs> if that if that doesn't happen, uh, then you got a huge, then this rally of the lower rated bands will not stop. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, now let's have a look at uh, European high yield versus, versus dollar high yield. So earlier you mentioned dollar high yield is actually probably fairly, fairly valued. Um, you know, can you just quickly sort of talk about the reasons uh, and the triggers, catalyst that you see over the yeah. next couple of months. In fact, the the most interesting stat in this question is how many people said we don't care. The we don't care number is about thirty percent now, the yeah. highest ever. This is this is in line with everybody wanting to go into IG. You see, yeah. So when you ask US or Europe European high yield, I I would like to interpret that that thirty percent as. No, no. Thank you. Yeah, not I'm, not either. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna so, order off the IG menu. Yeah. So if you look at the the you know the net number between US and Europe, uh, that number for, has dropped from 27 Europe to 10 Europe now. So yep. it's sort of neck and neck. I am of the view, as we've highlighted in the previous two podcasts, that uh, Europe still should edge US because we pay more. We are better rated. Our probability of recession is much lower. Yep. We don't. Our central banks' borrowing rates are much lower. Yes, it is doing QT, but it, uh, compared to the Fed, we are much lower. And as a result, uh, the euro, for example, is still expected to rally against the dollar, you know, going yeah, into the year end. So that currency tailwind is also there. That should help. Yeah. So I'm of the view that, you know, that plus 10 net euro, 
and should play out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now ratings. Um, the biggest thing that's you know stuck out to me here was the move in single Bs, and I guess my question to you is: is kind of, you know, are we seeing that in dispersion um, performance of the single Bs? So basically, single Bs went uh, big underweight. Um, so I'd like to understand, you know, are you actually seeing that? Are we seeing it in relative value? You know, what are your thoughts of, uh, for single Bs over the next uh, next quarter? Right. As we mentioned in the IG versus high yield question. So now in this particular question, we ask for, you know, real value by rating. Yeah. And IG tends to be a band in that. And you have to see the, the IG vote. I mean, it, that has gone up to like net 45. The, the double B one has dropped from net 55 to 11. So yeah. plus 55 to plus 11. The biggest drop, as you said, is in single Bs, plus 13 to minus 38. So it's like a 50 drop. Yeah, huge. Now, what does that mean? It, as I pointed out, it means that people are worried about this recession risk and they voted in line with that. So if you see positioning, if you see spreads, if you saw if you saw IG versus high yield and if you're seeing the rating, they're all in line, yeah. right? So... And also we know that the lower rated buckets have also outperformed. Yeah. So it ties in with the fact that lower rated buckets are too rich. Does this tie in with dispersion? Yeah, dispersion has been grow going up. Huh? Yeah. Uh, IG dispersion, by the way, for a few days went up thanks to Credit Suisse. But once Credit Suisse subsided, IG is back down to, you know, very low levels. IG dispersion is very healthy. Uh, the high yield dispersion, as seen through the crossover, for example, yep. is creeping up. So, yep. so I can understand so it, why people are trying to stay away from the lower rated buckets. So basically, you're also probably going to see more idiosyncratic. Yes, stories. Idiosyncratic something. risk is going up. So basically, if you have something hairy, now's the time yes, to. The, uh, yeah, the hairy, the, the hairy ones have underperformed. Huh, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So I noticed in the crossover, for example, uh, you know names like you know Boparan, Iceland, Tui, and so on yeah. and so forth. Uh, I'm excluding Casino here. By the way, that's a quite a dodgy yeah, yeah, name. Yeah. Uh, even excluding casino, the wide ones stopped trading like 900 plus. They've gone a lot wider. Yep. Uh, so despite despite crossover tightening, by the way, yeah, that's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Despite the overall index tightening, you had uh, some names widening. So you can clearly see dispersion is is going up. Yeah. Good. That's what that's what we like to see. Bit of bit of relative value. Um, now, uh, so sector sector banking. Yeah. is what I want to talk, uh, I want to hear about basically. So all I'm going to do is uh, let you go. Yeah. So, you know, the answer to this hasn't changed much. So people still seem to like banking and communications, but a bit more communications this time than last time. Because last time, they nobody foresaw, you know, SVB or Credit Suisse. Yeah. So last time, banking was the clear number one. Now communications is the clear number one. Banking is number two yeah. uh, in terms of net overweight. So is the banking crisis over? I mean, this was the topic of the previous podcast. I hope many of you listen to it. Uh, we are of the view that, uh, you know, quite a quite a few steps have been taken, uh, particularly in Europe. The Swiss National Bank was able to draw a line under that, under that particular story. Uh, European banks are well capitalized. You have to accept that fact. Yeah. Uh, the, the steps taken after the crisis is, are quite aggressive. And... If you look at the bonds that are in the index, which is what we care about, uh, they are not 81s 
and they are you know senior of peripheral banks this is i'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. senior of peripheral banks or subs of ig banks uh when i say subs the old style subs which are not write down yep so you know senior now we know is more or less money good yeah. right that's yeah. essentially proven yeah yeah so i can see why banking has rallied you know quite a bit after that banking credit non 81 yeah even 81s have rallied by yeah, the way 81s have rallied but yeah but they are non index yeah but i mean i'd like to kind of i mean do you have any kind of sense of did people get their fingers burned or are they a lot more cautious on the sector now uh there some people did get burned in the wall yep. in the in that you know two weeks uh but after that there was quite a few positioning taken on the on the 81s they have recovered they've dropped and they've recovered about 40 45% of it it will never go back to the previous level though because now you know you will get written down even when your bank is solvent yep right yeah, yeah. uh with the equity guys still making some money so i don't think we are you are going to get back to previous pricing on 81 but uh, the recovery is on yep recovery mm-hmm. is on so uh i would like to think uh, banking senior particularly uh bulk of it sits in ig of course um will trade well yeah. uh financials just to clarify financial cds which is easier to track financials versus main blew up to 30 at the peak of the crisis yep and 30 has dropped down to 13 now yeah, just yeah. three above the usual the usual is like 9 to 10 Yeah, yeah october october to um you know mid march it caused in more or less constant spread irrespective of what the market level is yeah fins versus main was 9 to 10 that blew up to 30 it's come down to 13 will it come down to 10 i don't think so because you need that premium for yep. because we are not no. it's not like banking risk is totally done yeah but 13 is uh, is a pretty healthy level yeah uh, for where we are so nice nice recovery so in, in summary um we're expecting or certainly you know we're expecting a a, a reasonably solid uh quarter in terms of uh you know carry uh, in high yield is got low, I wouldn't low, say, low, low low volatility uh, i wouldn't say solid uh it would be a, it would be an unspectacular but positive quarter so yeah. it won't be as good as q1 yeah uh, i think I'll, i need to make that clear q1 is a very good quarter yeah where so, we made so, like 2 and 3% type returns you're not going to get those you'll probably get like a oneish uh return yeah. in so, because so, it, because wall is low but then you're not going to have a rally yeah. you see because we've done that already yeah. so we we're not expecting negative returns we expect yeah. defaults to remain so low. you know just just carry alone is you know 1.9 1.9 1.8% per quarter yeah so i am actually saying slightly carry minus from where we are okay. because of rich spreads we might widen a bit on spreads but there is carry cushion perfect yeah cool so well, on, on that note uh, we thank you all for listening to this episode of credit crunch we'll be back again with the next episode uh, please uh, look at bistrte the home of all of our uh, credit strategy research and data the interesting bit is all of the survey data uh, every single response uh, is summarized on bistrte free to download and uh, thank you for listening again thank you very much cheers <laughs>